Hi, this is Caroline Rotenstrike. And Max Goldman. And this is Dive In, produced by Brown EP. Today we are joined by Jake Heinmark. He is a member of the Brown class of 2010. He is the co-founder and CEO of Plus Products Incorporated. Welcome, Jake. I am the uh, co-founder and CEO of a company called Plus Products. I was born in Chicago. Uh, when I was five, my parents moved me to Switzerland. When I was seven, we moved to London. When I was nine, they moved to California. When I was 11, they moved back to London. When I was like 13, I think they moved back to California. Then I was there until, because I made my parents promise me I would ha- go to high school one place. Went to high school in California for four years, so that was nice. And then um, came to Providence. And the reason I was all over the world is because my dad was a banker. He was the chief information officer at UBS. Um, so they brought us everywhere because of that. And after Brown, where it took me five years to graduate, but I did do the ABSCB combined program, so that made sense. Um, uh, was looking for what to do next. And I had taken all of my classes pass-fail or SNC for those who go to Brown, um, which was awesome. It let me focus on actually what I wanted to learn. And I was pretty much a rebel. Like whatever somebody said like, oh, you know, nobody has taken their classes SNC and been successful. I got to the end of my um, college career and I applied to work at Google uh, because Google is amazing. They, they have the best data in the world. And I was studying economics and I had a human biology degree and I loved analyzing data. And that, if you're like analyzing data, Google is like a dream. And I got through the interview process and there's this thing called the hiring committee at Google where they take an application to like the founders of Google and they get to decide who does and doesn't get hired. And it only like very rarely would they ever shut down like a college student, like it's like such a low level position, why would they even care? So when I knew that I was going to the hiring committee, cool, I was like, oh my God, I got a job. I don't need to apply to other ones. I'm ready to go. And then I got a call a week later that was like, no, they said no. And when I asked why, of course, Google said like, we can't tell you. And then two days later asked me to give them feedback on their interview process. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I don't get any feedback for you. It's ridiculous. But so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I called one of my friends who was in Silicon Valley. I was like, I literally don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm four months from graduation. Um, and he was like, why don't you work at Facebook? And I was like, because obviously I just had a terrible experience with Google where I had my heart set on it. Like, I'm not going to do this again. He was like, just talk to the recruiter. And I talked to the recruiter and I was like, hey, if I'm not going to get a job because of my grades, which is why I think I didn't get a job at Google, just let me know because I don't want to go through this whole thing if I'm just going to get my heart broken again. And Facebook, rec- the Facebook recruiter, kid you not, word for word, said, our founder didn't graduate college, so you're going to be fine. It's like, oh, this is a company I could work at. Um, and then I went to work at Facebook, left that for a Kleiner Perkins-backed payment startup because both at Facebook and then the next startup I went to, I worked on sort of payment technologies. And that's how I got into this industry because the cannabis industry has a problem with banking because it's federally illegal. So I moved to Denver to actually um, help bank the cannabis industry and saw that people didn't know how to make food and then realized that was a problem that maybe I could solve. Plus is an edibles company. We're focused, we're based in California. 
Um, we started about five years ago in my parents' garage. And we're focused on what we call using nature to help make people's lives better. So in any way that we can do that, um, we do that. We started in the legal THC market in California, and we grew from basically non-existent and failing for a lot of years to becoming one of the larger edible players there. And in September of this year, we launched a national CBD gummy product um, with a few different versions around helping people sort of take the edge off their day, uh, amplify some of the experiences we're having already, and uh, to help them sleep. Awesome. So is Plus a THC company within California, or is it all CBD? We're both, both. which is really interesting. Yeah, um, I think that any company has to really ask itself why it does what it does because you need to be more than just your products. And for us, it's really about solving a macro problem. So I think the world's become really overwhelming. People are spending a lot of time on their phones, on their computers, they're distracted, they're really not connecting with one another. And whether in THC or CBD or other compounds, I think people are looking for any way to get connection and to really take the edge off a very confusing environment and help themselves be present. And plus we call that finding balance. And so we're either gonna chase um, any way that helps people actually do that, ideally without hurting themselves. So one thing that we don't do is touch like smoking or inhaling because the science isn't there yet to support what I'm about to say, which is that it's probably not good for you. Mm -hmm. But we think it will be there in the long run. And so we tried a whole bunch of different versions of other things because we were really trying to solve a problem, not just with our product, but to actually you know, help people take the edge off. And if they're not buying your product, it doesn't matter how great it works. They're just not, you're not helping anybody. Um, so we launched a gummy product and from there, uh, you know, that was a very successful product. We launched a mint product, which was really successful. Um, and then we launched a CBD gummy product. So uh, we stuck to foods. And I think at some point we'll probably try the gum again. But, very cool. And so where are you guys selling this? Is it all through online sales or? So today CBD is available in the contiguous US. So our THC products are available um, in most dispensaries in California. Um, and for CBD products, you can actually just go online to plusproducts.com and buy it right there. So you touched upon kind of the mission and vision of your company and staying true to that. Can you talk a little more about that and maybe highlight some of um, your company's values? Our, so our mission is to um, help bring balance to people's lives by using nature, right? And one of the th maxims we use inside of our company is that we want to make a company that would make our grandmothers proud. That's a tough thing to do as a company. Um, a lot of times because it empowers people to get in your face when you make a decision that people think is not right. In the short run, that always causes more conflict. It makes it harder to bring things to market. In the long run, it actually protects your company, especially when you're dealing with companies that maybe aren't software companies. I think. In software companies, it's easy to change the software, or it has been historically, so software companies thought about it less. But if you're a hardware company or a food company, if you're making something physical that you can't go back and just remake it if it's already been made, um, to have a company culture where somebody can raise their hand in the corner and say like, hey, I don't think this is gonna work, and here's why, uh, because it doesn't align with our mission, it doesn't align with our vision, that's a really important thing to do. Um, plus, we once had 
an eight hour, I kid you not, meeting where we had, it was supposed to be a one hour meeting and it just dragged on and it was a fight about whether we as a company could touch inhalation products of vaping. And we settled on the fact that we wanted to make a company that would make our grandmothers proud. And even though we didn't know the science behind like, you know, drill pods and PAX pods and all the different, you know, things people are inhaling that by staying away from them, we could be true to our vision. Um, Good decision or not, it's where we went, so. Awesome, what kind of legal problems have you guys encountered along the way? So what we do is federally illegal, just flat out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is legal in some states. CBD as a whole is the wild west. It's a combination of completely unregulated and also super regulated at the same time. So we face a lot of issues. Uh, We face a lot of them constantly. I think that one thing that's really important for entrepreneurs and a lot of companies push the envelope on what's exists within current frameworks, like you have to be a disruptor in some way. It's important to not just understand what the letter of the law is, but also why the law or the regulators who are regulating you or your industry do what they do. Um, I think that if you do things that get people sick or hurt people, you're probably going to be on the wrong side of the law pretty quickly. If you're doing things that are ultimately helping people that people get excited about, you're probably going to be in a better spot. I don't know that it's a perfect rule, but it's worked for us. How have you made sure your products are safe? We spend a lot of time on food safety. Um, We have hired some amazing people out of uh, like Mission Tortilla Chips, craft food manufacturing, Lagunitas manufacturing, just a lot of people who really understood food safety because at the end of the day, what we make is food. And if food gets you sick, your company is dead. I mean, Chipotle is a really good example. If you don't invest in this stuff early and get it right, um, you're not going to be successful. I'm lucky that I have uh, one of my co-founders is a chef who is a chef at two Michelin star restaurants. So he really understood that. I'd say sometimes he over-indexes on being too safe, but that's a good thing to have. Um, so you mentioned, um, so you're a co-founder, which means you um, are a partner. So can you talk a little bit about uh, a partnership and the process of collaboration, um, like the benefits and maybe sometimes the frustrations um, of, of being a partner of a company? So I have two co-founders, um, a guy named Crunchy and a woman named Lucy. Uh, and I'd say that being a co-founder is almost as intimate as a marriage. And you need to make sure that it also works with the other relationships you have in your life. So if you don't need to be best friends with your co-founders all the time, but if your partner can't get along with your co-founders, you're not going to be successful. And same goes for them and the people they have in their lives because you spend end up spending almost all day every day uh, tunnel visioned with each other on what you're trying to accomplish in a way that you don't see outside of, you know, founding companies. I think that one of the hardest things in companies is the stuff that you do when you succeed is very, very similar to the stuff that you do when you're failing and you can't tell the difference and you really have to rely on the people around you to help you see when it's working and when it's not, because sometimes you can't. And so having people who you can deal with day in and day out and really build trust with is the most important thing because 
when things are going well, it doesn't really matter who your co-founders are, but things are not always going to go well. And when they don't go well, the question is, are you guys going to walk away? Are you going to make it work? And the three of us have been able to stick through times when we had to reduce our salaries to $16,000 a year. And we've been able to now, we have a company with more than 80 people and great healthcare. So um, I think if you're not able to make the people who you're founding your company with the people a part of your life, you're just going to be in a hard spot. And can you talk a little bit um, about kind of building um, your employee body? Um, how much do you really think about um, fit or interpersonal dynamics um, from an early stage? And now today you said you have over you know, around 80 employees. So what was that process like and what was your thought process? So the thing they don't tell you when you're starting your company is that it's easy to hire people and nearly impossible to get rid of people if they don't work. And so if you're not careful in the hiring process, you're going to end up with not great employees who are going to destroy your culture. And the smaller that you are, the more damage it will do. So we did something which was suggested by my father, who's our chairman, um, so we're kind of a family company as well, which was we hired my mom to run our HR very early. And my mom is great with people. And she has a really good filter and it has made us a family company in a way that, I mean, we're not a family owned company because we're technically a public company um, with shareholders from all over the world. But we have the culture of a family company, which especially in a food company is really important because the best food companies have always been family companies, whether it's Nestle or Hershey's or Kraft. Uh, and the reason why I think that's true is because family companies really put an emphasis on taking care of the product and the brand. And if that extends all the way to the people manufacturing your product, you're not going to get people sick because if somebody on the line sees something happening, they're going to raise their hand and stop it. It's critical. So we've uh, invested a lot of time and energy in trying to get that right. We don't always get it right. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think we built a great company, great people. You discussed how your interpersonal relationships with your co-founders is really important. And I'm glad you mentioned that you also have family in the business and how keeping those relationships intact within the business and outside of the business is crucial. What's it like to work at a company with your mom and dad and I'm not sure if your siblings are in the company as well, but... Yeah, so my family's... My sister's helped out from time to time, and some of our first employees, like my co-founder, Lucy, I've known her since she was 12 and maybe 13, but around that age. And so I think when you start a company and it starts to take off, especially if you're in an edge industry, like cannabis in our case and CBD, um, you're going to go to the people who you know in your network that are like the smartest people and ask them to join. And the closer your relationship with them, the more likely you can convince them to do the stupid thing, which is to join your company. And it's not easy to work with people that you're that close with. Um, sometimes our meetings are more like a Thanksgiving dinner than a real company meeting, including like, you know, the angry old guy in the corner um, who sometimes is my dad but sometimes is my co-founder like you can never tell um, it but the alignment that comes from that um, in a 
I think the shakier the industry and the more likely that you are to have uh, very odd things happen that change your direction, especially in new industries, the closer you are as a team, the more successful you're going to be. Because at the end of the day, when things go wrong, and they will, when you know that everybody's going home at the end of the night and coming to work the next day because they all care about one another, even if they're upset, you focus on getting to a solution much faster. If you're worried about whether the person's going to quit and run, you're less invested in the whole process and you can feel that in a room when you're having a meeting. So you said you were a public company. Um, are you guys like trading on the stock market or are you guys still in the private uh, like VCs? How did you guys get your funding initially? So we're traded on the Canadian Securities Exchange, and the which is a exchange up in Canada, and we are traded OTC here in the US. So what's weird about cannabis companies is the NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange will not take cannabis listings for companies that have presence in the US. So there were very few OTC companies that had more than a billion dollar market cap, um, with the exception of like maybe companies that were in China and decided not to list on the US exchanges, like Baidu's one. But there are about 10 or 15 cannabis companies now who are on the OTC and in the Canadian Securities Exchange because it's the only way to list. So it's more a function of the market that we're in that we're public than anything else. Um, we also took an early investment from a uh, Canadian group, funding group that required us to go public as part of the investment because, again, due to our industry, they were worried that if they were ever paid back for their shares, that because it's a federal crime in the U.S., if they were wired money from any U.S. fund, that their bank accounts could be seized by the Justice Department. So working in the cannabis is like a nightmare, by the way. Um, but what was really interesting was like cannabis in particular, and this happens in industries, went from a place where like nobody would fund it to one where everybody wanted to fund it and then back to nobody wanting to fund it again. And that happens when industries get hot. I mean, it happened in the crypto coin world. Right. Um, and that'll happen from time to time. I think that the job of any founder is to try and assemble the right fundraisers, uh, fund, sorry, the right funders. And if you can't, just to find any. <laughs> and uh, it, one thing that I did learn was putting together a solid business plan and asking for more money than you needed was actually more likely to work than asking for less money and praying that we could make that work. Because when investors felt like we had a solid path to actually giving them a return on the money they were putting in, they are more likely to actually invest. That's different than friends and family money. When you're raising money from friends and family, it's you ask for less because you don't want to fail for those people. So I think it's best to start with friends and family and then to find more professional investors. So what's next for PLUS? So, um, we are one of the top edible companies in California. We just launched in Nevada and we just announced our CBD product. And I think that our goal is to become a Coca-Cola of cannabis. That means products that work really, really well, that people buy over and over and are available on every shelf and just work really well. Um, I think what Coca-Cola nailed as a brand is that 
their product is so good that it works on an airline cart, it works at a fancy restaurant, and it works in a corner store. And that's a broad spectrum to try and address as a product company. Um, I think that our vision is to put plus products, uh, especially our CBD balance product, within 60 yards of any time somebody feels anxious. So anytime that they say, oh, I kind of want to take the edge off, to have one of our products available to help them do that is the dream. How quickly are we able to realize that? I don't know, but we're trying our best to make it happen as quickly as we can. Thanks so much for joining us here, Jake. Stay tuned for the next episode of Dive In.